morning, church. It's great to see everyone this morning. It's time to begin our song service. If you would, please take out a songbook and turn to number 616. 616. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. like to welcome everyone to our service today. You are our honored guest, and we invite you to worship with us often, whether in person or by live stream. Please fill out an attendance card and place it in the collection plate so that we may have a record of your attendance. The times of our services are 9.30 a.m. on Sunday Bible study, 10.30 Sunday morning worship, 5 p.m. Sunday evening worship, and 7 p.m. for Wednesday evening worship. Meals and Wheels is today. I saw a lot of baskets out there on the table, so please see Christy Albright if you can assist with the meal delivery. The ladies are invited to a wedding shower for Story and Jose Rosales today at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Bible Bowl practice is today at 4 p.m. The men's retreat will be October 14th and 15th at Kentucky Dam Village. Please sign up on the sheet in the foyer by today if you or a guest are interested in attending. I've got a deadline to give up some rooms. We reserve 15 rooms. I'm going to have to give up some if, if some more men don't sign up. So if you're interested in going to the retreat or bringing somebody with you, uh, please uh, sign up uh, no later than today. Lylewood Christian Camp is having their fall retreat for grades 7 through 12 on September 16th through 18th. Uh, you can register online at lylewood.org applications. There is also a sign-up sheet in the foyer. The men's prayer breakfast will be this Saturday, September 17th at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. We're making a little change 
uh, breakfast will be provided. So uh, if, if some men want to help cook the breakfast, you might want to get here at, at 7. Uh, but I think some women are going to fix some breakfast casseroles too. So uh, you don't have to bring your breakfast. Just come and be here uh, at 8 o'clock uh, on this Saturday for the men's uh, prayer, uh, prayer breakfast. The area-wide youth devos will kick off at Stroudsville on Sunday, September 18th at 5 p.m. There will be pizza following the service. Please bring chips, desserts, and drinks for the meal. The prison ministry needs several items for their residents. See the list in the foyer and place your items in the basket in the carrying corner by September 25th. Hillcrest Fall Youth Retreat is September 23rd through 25th. The cost is $30. There is a sign-up sheet on the youth bulletin board. We will have a fall canvas painting class for ladies and girls 6th grade and up on Saturday, September 17th. This Saturday, a 5.30 p.m. potluck with painting to begin at 6.30 PM. The cost is $5. The reading this morning will come from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. next song this morning will be number 470, 470. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. When my feeble life is o'er, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely o'er to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Just a closer walk with thee. 
Thus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Bow with me, please. Father, this morning we want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to come here on this first day of the week and be able to be with like minds and be able to fellowship with you and grow stronger in your word and learn more about you, Father, and we thank you so much for that. Father, as we go out this, go throughout this day, that we pray that we will open our hearts and minds and be able to draw, to draw closer to you, that we will be the, the Christians we need to be. Father, as I stand up here, I, I hear all these little voices out here in the audience that uh, making little coughs and little noises and all things. Father, that is, the little ones here are truly such a blessing. To know that we have children coming up behind us that we were teaching to be the next generation that will be spreading your word to those around about. We thank you for all the new beginnings there. We pray for the families and the mothers and fathers that they will bring their little ones up to you. That we will have a congregation that carries on here father we ask that you be with brother tom as he presents the lesson that he will be able to have a ready recollection of what he wants to bring out to us that will be sink into our hearts and minds and father we continue to prayer for all the ones on the prayer list the ones that are battling cancer and COVID and all the things of this this world, Father, the physical ailments. We pray that you put your hand out over them, provide for them, for you know how to provide for them better than we know how to ask. We just simply have to ask. Father, we pray that you be with the, the whole family as they continue to mourn, that they will look back and be be proud of a life well lived and be able to thank you for the times that they had. Mr. Marvin had a long, long life. Father, we just pray that uh, we always look to you in those times when, we're, when we get down that we will realize to, to look up. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, the fact that he came here and seen that we were worthy to, to be sacrificed for. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 135. 135. <clears throat> Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away Hear, Lord. 
the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the Some families still gather around the dinner table at the end of a long, hard day to break bread together. It's a time when children excitedly share what happened at schools, dads talk about their day, and moms stay apprised with the latest happenings in everyone's lives. The dinner table is a symbol of family unity. It's a place to talk, laugh, and cry. In much of the same way, Jesus gathered with his disciples around a table at the Last Supper. While Jesus knew what was to come, his disciples didn't. Of the many enlightening discussions Jesus surely had with his disciples during shared meals, one of the most important lessons he ever taught them occurred in their final meal together in that upper room. Luke chapter 22 verse 19 says, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The disciples didn't likely understand what Jesus meant when he said this, or the significance of it. They seemed to understand it the night when Jesus was crucified for our sins. As a body of believers, we come together like the disciples. We are a family of friends, husbands, wives, widows, singles, young adults, and children. We are a family of sinners. The difference between our gatherings is we are looking back at the high price Jesus paid for our shortcomings. We we commune together, bonded by the understanding that Jesus bought our freedom By paying for our sins on the cross. We eat the bread which represents Christ's body. We sip the juice which represents his blood. Shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord we thank you that we as a family of believers. Can gather to remember your son. And the sacrifice he made to ensure our place. At your divine family table. Let's pray. Dear Lord we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave us and your body which was broken. And dear Lord, we pray that we take this bread in a worthy manner and that's pleasing in your sight. And it's through your son's name that we pray. Amen.
Let's give thanks for the cup. Dear Lord, we come before you again just thanking you for this fruit of the vine which represents your son's blood that was shed on the cross for the remission of our sins. And dear Lord, we pray that we take it in a manner worthy and pleasing in your sight. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen. Let's have a prayer for the offering. Dear Lord, we come before you again just thanking you for all the things that you've given us. We thank you that we are able to make a living for our families. And dear Lord, we pray that we give back with a cheerful heart. And dear Lord, we thank you for all things. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen. If you would like to mark our invitation song this morning, it'll be number 578. Number 578. Now before the lesson, let's all stand and sing number 8. Number 8. This is my Father's world, and to my 
listening ears. All nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass I hear Him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied. And earth and heaven be one. Please be seated. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well today. Good to see all of you on this kind of an overcast, dreary day, but we're glad to be here in God's presence and be singing and enjoy our time together in Christ. We're doing a lesson series on Esther. I love the story of Esther. I hope you've been reading it. It's one of those great Bible lessons that sort of reads like a novel. You kind of have the, the, the heroine, you have the, uh, the, the villain, power struggles. It's an interesting study. But a young woman, at least Esther, that we read about in Bible class when we were little children is a woman who was faithful and she was brave. I wanted to mention a couple of announcements very quickly before we get into our lesson. The first thing was BJ talked to me yesterday about Bill's condition and asked me to express her thanks to all of you uh, for your phone calls, your food, for just coming by to visit and all the things you've done to show love and compassion for their family. I know BJ's going through a hard time, and uh, we talked a little about rehab and Bill coming back to the house. So keep that family in prayer, the young family, as Bill recovers from his stroke. The other thing I wanted to mention, our men's prayer breakfast coming up this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock. Megan and I are going to try to cook a little bit. And we'd like to have some other men join us. If you want to bring a favorite dish, maybe you make a killer sausage and gravy, right? Or maybe you're a scrambled eggs guy. I don't know. But let me know if you could bring some food. And we'll try to coordinate maybe our, our food that we could serve one another and, and have a time of fellowship and, and prayer as well. So hope you can come. Come if you haven't come in the past. Come. Uh, you don't have to pray. You're not obligated to pray. Just come and fellowship. And we'll pray about some things that uh, are pertinent to our congregation and, and our country. So 8 o'clock this coming Saturday here at the Fellowship Hall. Hope you can come. Let me know if you're coming and be willing to bring some food. We'd appreciate that. Appreciate Howard getting that started for us in uh, our prayer breakfast. In our next slide, we show a Persian empire. It was a huge empire at the time. Everything that's sort of a mustard brown color. It stretches from all the way over to Africa, over to India. And uh, at this time, the Persian Empire was probably the most powerful empire in existence in the world. 
God's people, as we'd mentioned in our introduction lesson, had been carried off into a period of captivity for 70 years. All the prophets had warned them, you need to repent, you need to change, you need to give up your idolatry. They refused to be obedient to God. So this is a time of discipline, a time of, of, uh, of slavery for God's people. And so it initially started out in the Babylonian Empire. Then the Medes and the Persians took over. Now the Persians are in charge. This is kind of approaching the end of what we consider the Old Testament uh, prior to the advent of Jesus Christ. In our Bible lesson, we're going to see, as we get into the book of Esther, three main characters. So think of three main characters in this story. We talked about this a little bit last week, but the first one, obviously, is Esther herself. She was a beautiful young woman. I've talked to the ladies before. Esther didn't do anything to be born beautiful. She was just born that way. It was genes, genetic beauty. But yet what makes Esther so intriguing and interesting to us is that we see as the story develops that Esther has a great inner beauty, a bravery, a reverence, a subjection to Mordecai. And so she's in a strange land and she is called upon to do something we'll talk about today that is rather remarkable. The other person in this story, Mordecai, is basically her adopted uncle, if you will. He serves like a father figure. He, he takes Esther under his wing. He raises her up as a young orphan girl. So here they are in a foreign land in a very powerful empire. And Mordecai, unfortunately, as the story develops, kind of crosses with the number two in command over this entire empire. Who does he cross up with? man named Haman. He's the villain in this story, in this Bible story that we learn about. Haman was an official who rose to a high position. Actually, he was number two. Um, and unfortunately, Haman was not a person of good character. Um, he's directly under the king. Haman is outraged because Mordecai won't bow to him. You see, Haman has this big ego, and so he likes to walk by, and according to the king's edict, people are supposed to bow in reverence to Haman and recognize his authority. So uh, the people around Haman, as Haman walks by, they notice that Mordecai will not bow. He will not acquiesce or show that he's subject to this man, Haman. I'm not exactly sure what the reasons were we could probably speculate that Haman um, recognized Mordecai not bowing to him. I think Mordecai chose not to because Mordecai worshipped only God. He was reverent to God and not Haman, an evil leader. So what what does Haman do? He plots to take out an entire race of people, the entire Jewish people, and he convinces the king, as our story continues, He convinces this king to take out all of the Jews through one edict, and he calls for the death of the Jews throughout the kingdom. We left our story last week in chapter 4, verse 1. If you want to turn in your Bible to Esther, we'll be in chapter 4 today. Esther chapter 4. Let's just read this. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, this evil plot, this uh, devised plan to kill all the Jews, Mordecai tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. I want to look for just a moment at the characters of these three people we've just mentioned because this is important that we do some life applications in in the story of Esther. So when I say character of our characters, I want to define exactly what is character, maybe for the benefit of our our younger listeners today. When we say character, it's more than just a person in a story. Character refers to something else. And our next slide mentions a definition according to Oxford language. Character is the mental and moral qualities It makes up who you are as a person. So if I were to say, what kind of character are you? Are you known for being honest? Are you known for being trustworthy? Are you known for being a person who stretches the truth a little bit? Are you known for a person who's habitually late, right? All of these things kind of make up our character. 
Are you a person who is someone who could be trusted? Are you popular? Are you mean? You know, that's your character. And so it's uh, it's an example of character. And here's an example that the Oxford Language Dictionary gave. I thought that was interesting considering we're studying Esther. Running away was not in keeping with her character. Now think about Esther when she was given the challenge. In just a moment, we'll talk about her going before the king. Mordecai says something to her, and she's got a choice to make. We'll talk about today. Will I go in to see the king and risk death, or will I avoid this confrontation at all? So Haman, for example, if we look at Haman's next slide, Haman was powerful. He was very corrupt. He would do anything necessary to advance himself. He didn't really care about others. He only cared about self. We can hear him bragging in the story of, of, of uh, Esther. He's vain, prideful. He's full of vengeance. This person doesn't like me. I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to get even with them. I'm going to destroy a whole race of people because I don't like this one man, Mordecai. So you can see Haman kind of parallel to a modern day villain or evil person in our society. There's going to be evil people around until the Lord comes back. As a matter of fact, today kind of makes me think about evil plots. You know what today is? 9-11. Innocent people on airplanes were part of an evil plot from people in another part of the world that hates America. And so they plotted to use these airplanes as bombs full of fuel, and they flew them into buildings, and people died uh, very brave rescue workers, firemen, first responders, policemen. They went into those buildings and they never came out. You see, evil is nothing new in our society. Evil existed in the beginning of the creation of man. Evil existed in the days of Esther, the queen. Evil exists even in our society today. As we see people who hate our country and hate who we are. They hate our freedoms, and they want to destroy us. And so just remember in 9-11, it's a great reminder that evil will always exist, but what will we do in the face of evil? Well, the good news is, church, that we have a power on our side that's greater than the evil around us. And I want you to remember that. God is greater than any evil that might exist on this earth. Let's talk about Haman and his power his corruption, the vanity, pridefulness, and his vengeance. In Proverbs 29, verse 23, you might want to write this verse down if you're making a note. Proverbs 29 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. You see this contrast here. What Proverbs is telling us is that if somebody is prideful and they elevate themselves and they want to be the most important, that ultimately God will tend to bring those people down. We know at the end of the story what happens to Haman, but yet we see Mordecai, who continued to be humble and be a good leader of his people, he received a position of honor. So it's almost the opposite. If you humble yourself, God lifts you up. But if you elevate yourself and you're full of pride and you want power and you're corrupt, God will bring you down. A great lesson for life. I want to talk about Esther a minute, if I may. Kind of the heroine of the story. Esther didn't do anything to be beautiful, but to me, the great beauty of Esther is not what's on the outside, what was pleasing to the king, but what was beautiful on the inside. Her character, her spirit, she was gentle. She was brave. She was submissive to her adoptive father, Mordecai, and she was obedient to him, as we'll see in a moment. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 3, ladies, I would ask, young ladies, that you write this down. 1 Peter 3, 3, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now, let me stop. I'm not telling you those things are bad. It's not wrong to dress up and look nice. It's not wrong to put on makeup. Not wrong to fix your hair or wear gold necklaces. But if that's all we focus on is the external, 
we've missed the point. What is the point? Next verse, verse 4. Here are the things that we should focus on inside. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, is very precious. So ladies, what I'm trying to say is, especially young ladies, if you're dating a young man, he's going to be attracted to you physically on the outside, but I hope that he appreciates and cherishes who you are inside and the beauty that you show. Because in the end, you see, in the end, that's what really matters. That word imperishable is highlighted for a reason, an underline. It means never fading, never going away. It'll be, a, it'll be a part of your character that stays with you your whole life, and it's that beautiful beauty on the inside that God appreciates so much. In this country, I think I've mentioned before in this lesson series, we put far too much emphasis on the external beauty and neglect the importance of the internal beauty. Does God like external beauty? Well, He's neutral. But what He loves is that internal beauty and a gentle and quiet spirit because in God's sight, the Bible says, that is very precious. So for men and women alike, your inner beauty, your inner character is so important. Now I want to talk about Mordecai for just a moment. Let's look at his character. I like Mordecai, probably one of my favorite characters in this story, because Mordecai is humble, but yet he's got backbone. He's calm. He's an advisor. He's a mentor to Esther. He's strong in his convictions because he's not willing to bow down for political gain or favor to this evil Haman. He's not willing to, to throw down his pride and, and say to Haman, I'm going to worship or bow down to you, he continues to honor God instead. And so he's faithful as a leader of his people. And we see that God, recognizing Mordecai's character, elevates him in the end of the story. Notice in 1 Peter 5.5 about Mordecai and his humility, Peter reminds us, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, continuing in 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may exalt you. Does that sound like Mordecai? It does, doesn't it? He started out humble. He put his trust in God. He, he encouraged everyone to pray, and yet in the end, God elevated him. Second in command, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now let's turn to chapter 4, and I want to mention a couple of things interesting. I've already discussed this in a previous lesson. But in the book of Esther, it doesn't mention two things, which I find odd. One, God is not mentioned, but God is there. Prayer is not mentioned, but prayer is there. How do we know that? Because there's fasting, there's people in sackcloth, they're weeping, they're asking God to intervene. So we know that there had to be prayer present. Who did they pray to? They prayed to their almighty God, the God of Israel. Even though it's not explicitly mentioned in the book of Esther, we know it's present. Let's read together beginning in verse 6. So we pick up this story where Esther has learned, Hey, hey, your uncle Mordecai, he's out there sitting in the square. And he's in sackcloth and ashes and he's weeping. Esther's like, why? Why is he doing this? So she sends out an attendant to talk to him. She wants to find out what's going on. And so she sends out someone, look at verse 5. Hat Hatch is what I'm going to call him. I don't know how that name's pronounced, but we'll call him Hat Hatch. One of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hadhatch went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued to Susa, for their destruction, there being all of the Jewish people. 
that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. Hatch went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hatch and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, Important verse, number 11, put your finger on it, pay attention. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king for these 30 days. They told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, Mordecai says, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such Time is this. You see what Mordecai is saying is, Esther, this is your day. Esther, this is your moment to save your people. What will you choose, Esther? Will you plead on behalf of your people? Will you risk going in front of the king? Verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. Hold a fast on my behalf. In other words, pray for me. Focus on me because I have an awesome task. Then I will go to the king, she said, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What is Esther saying? Yes, I will go to the king on the behalf of my country people. But it may cost me. My life. Wow. What would you do? I don't know about you, but on the night before I'd go to the king, I probably wouldn't sleep a lot. I'd be going through scenarios in my head like, okay, I'm walking in. I'm seeing the king. He extends his scepter. It's all good. But wait a minute. What if I walk in and he's having a really bad day? Esther, what are you doing here? And he doesn't extend the scepter. She's a goner. That's a risk. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. You know, we forget sometimes that at this point, Esther was a queen. She lived in the palace. She had all these attendants. She had power, anything she wanted. But now she's come to a very critical part of the story where she has to make a decision. And here's the decision she had to make. In verse 11, she realizes that if she goes before the king and he doesn't want to see her, he doesn't extend the scepter. We know if you think about the previous queen, he got mad at her, right? And what was her punishment? She was banished from the palace. But in this case, if Esther presents herself and he doesn't extend the scepter, she dies. Next slide, here's the simple dilemma. Should I risk my own life for the well-being of many others? Should I focus on taking care of me? What would you do? Would you sacrifice yourself for the benefit of many? Or would you say, you know what, I'm kind of comfortable in the palace. I like these uh, beauty treatments I like all the attention I'm getting from my attendants. Life's pretty good. I was an orphan. Now I'm the queen. You know what? I'll just pass. I'm going to pass on that opportunity because things are pretty good. Why risk death? But Esther loved her people. Esther loved Mordecai. But now, church, I want you to get a very important point. Sometimes when we love other people, we willingly make sacrifices for them. If you're a parent, you understand 
In this case, I want you to think of Jesus Christ. What prompted him to leave heaven and come to earth? Other than love. Why would he come to earth knowing that as he grew up as a man, that he would eventually be crucified and die a horrific death on the cross, not for his own sin, but for mine and yours? So here we draw a strong lesson about being selfless. You see, selfless is really two words. Self is what we focus on in our society today. It's all about me, right? Making me happy, take care of me, meet my needs. Selfless means we focus on less selfless rather than more. Selfless, a concept that's sort of foreign in our society. You see, in Christ, church, in Christ, we have been asked to live for Him. We follow His example. We sacrifice self for the benefit of others. We give ourselves away in ministry to others. We put their needs ahead of our own. And wow, isn't that a contrast to our worldview today? You see, when you're a Christian... It's not all about me. It's about the needs of others. Jesus calls us to follow in His example, to follow His lead, to be a servant, to sacrifice self, to give self away for the benefit of others, because that's precisely what Jesus did for us. If you've got your Bible open, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to read verse 15. And he, that is Jesus Christ, died for all. Just like Esther was willing to do. She was willing to give her life for the benefit of her people. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. You see that call as a disciple to follow in the steps of Jesus? Jesus gave it all. Jesus asked us to give it all for the benefit of others, to be self Less, just like Esther. So they don't live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Although we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, I wanted today, church, for you to understand the parallel between what Esther did and what Jesus did. She was willing to give all. Jesus did give all. He sacrificed himself for the benefit of many. And Esther did the same. You see, Esther had to walk into that courtroom unannounced before the king who had the power to take her life. What happened? In Esther chapter 5, verses 2 through 3, Esther walks in. The Bible says she won favor in his sight. He held out the, to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. I imagine in her mind, she probably went, whew, thank goodness I get to live another day. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter, and the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Stop there, and we're going to pick up our story next week with Esther's banquet. She actually has two banquets, and Haman is certainly invited. Oh boy, is he invited. (laughs) He's excited to be coming to the banquet between the king and the queen, and he is a special guest. After all, if you're full of pride and you love yourself, you're thinking, oh, I sure do deserve this, right? Mm -mm -mm. Watch out, Haman. By the way, Esther came unannounced before the king. But as we close today, I just want to remind you this, church, and this is so important. We invite you to come before the king today. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ is the king of kings and Lord of lords, the most powerful being ever to have existed. And he invites you to come before his throne any time, day or night, 24-7, to confess, to bring your request 
to make those requests known to him. And that's why we invite you today. We invite you to come and tell us, I need this from my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convicted in my heart. I've sinned. I want to confess. I need to change my life. Help me be different. Help me be focused on doing what I need to do to be in heaven. Help me quit playing games and quit acting religious and be a Christian. Whatever that need may be, we invite you today to come before the king. He's the most powerful king who ever reigned. We're going to sing an invitation song and invite you today. Whatever your need may be, we'd be honored to take your request before the king of king and the Lord of lords. I sure appreciate Esther. What a brave woman she was. We'll learn more about her next week. Hope you'll come back and see us again. Let's stand and sing together. conclude our service this morning. Let's sing number three. We'll sing the first and last verses and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou
God, our Lord, we are so humbled, Father. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can tell you what's on our hearts. Father, that we can come before you, the Creator, the Alpha, the Omega, and tell you, Father, when we are hurting, and tell you, Father, when we are happy, Father, to tell you, Father, when we're sad, and we just pray, Lord, that you'll be with us, Father. You'll be with us, Father, as um, a country, Lord, that our country, Father, will uh, be focused on you, uh, that as we have leaders, Father, that you will uh, be with them, Father, as they make decisions, uh, that you'll help us, Lord, to, when we talk with others, Lord, to be empathetic, Father, uh, to realize that not everyone, Father, As the same uh, history, Father, as us, uh, was raised the same way, Father. You just help us, Lord, to, to realize that we are servants of yours, Father, uh, that we have uh, a duty, Father, to, to spread your word, and uh, we pray that you'll give us courage um, every day to do so. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for this country. We're so thankful that uh, we can uh, come and, and worship you freely, Father. And Father, as a anniversary, Father, something that happened um, years ago, Father, we, we just pray that you'll help us to be uh, servants of yours, Father, that we will realize, Father, how many good people, Father, there are in this world, uh, willing, Father, to, to run into circumstances, Father, where uh, there's no way of escape trying to save others. We're thankful, Father, for your word. We're thankful, Father, that we could learn about Esther, Father, and how, Father, she risked all, Father, for you to protect her people. And we pray that we, Father, will also risk our lives for you. Realize that you have given us all the hope of, of salvation, and we pray that you'll help us to be your instruments, Father, on this earth. Lord, we pray for our young people as they go out to school this next week, Father, uh, that you'll bless them, Father, help them to make the right decisions. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as uh, your servants, uh, that we'll always look to your word, Father, that we will uh, study, Father, every day, that we will be able to grow, Father, closer to you. Uh, Father, we're so excited um, for the, the young families that we have this congregation, Father, as they're growing, Father, and we know, Father, in the coming weeks, months, Father, that I just pray that you'll help uh, them, Father, to, to ease any anxiety they may have, uh, that you'll be, Father, with um, all of us as, a, as your people, that we, Father, will uh, truly, Father, love one another, Father, that will seek the lost. Lord, we are so sorry for those times that we fail you. When we, uh, Father, allow sin to separate us from you, and we allow, Father, Satan to tempt us to a point to where uh, we give in, uh, but, Father, we pray that you'll help us to, to open our eyes to those situations, uh, that you'll help us to identify our weaknesses, uh, that you'll help us to be strong. Lord, we know that with you we can overcome all. We're so thankful for the plan that you had for us, the love that you had for us, and we're thankful that Christ was willing to, to leave heaven, Father, uh, because of us, because of that love. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to share that love every day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 